You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. Love him the more we will obey him. This month we've set aside as we've entered into this new year to look at uh, what the Bible says about obedience. On Wednesday night, we've been studying the doctrine of Satan. And it just keeps going on and on and on and on. And the truth is, I never realized how much the Bible said about our adversary, the devil, until I really got into studying it and preparing messages on that issue. Um, Can I tell you something about obedience? We could go on and on and on and on and never quit. Because the Bible has so much to say about it. Last week, uh, Shelley wasn't well, and um, she was at home, and she wanted to get some Bible preaching, and so she turned on the TV to listen to Dr. Charles Stanley. Now, how many of you ever listened to Dr. Charles Stanley, but he's been preaching a long time. He's uh, over 80 years old now. It's just kind of hard to believe when you see him. And uh, he was just reminiscing, my wife was sharing this with me, that he was just standing up, just having a heart-to-heart talk with his people. And he said, uh, if there's one thing you could say that you've taken away from my ministry here at First Baptist, he said, what would it be? And my wife said, the whole congregation in one accord said, obey God. He said, well, I guess I can retire then. (laughs) And then he looked at him and said, but I'm not going to. (laughs) If there is one thing that I wish you could take from my ministry, it would be the same thing. Just obey God. Daniel was over the other night and we were talking about the things of the Lord and we were talking about living a spirit-filled life and he said, Dad, I've heard you preach on it a lot. And he said, I really want to live that spirit-filled life. And so we were talking about what is the main key to living a spirit-filled life. What is it? Obey God. If we're not walking in obedience to the Lord, then obviously the Spirit of God cannot control our lives. So it's a very, very important issue of Scripture, and we could go on and on. But today I want to talk about three requirements for biblical obedience. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 5. And let's just look at verse 6. We'll launch off from here today. Joshua, chapter 5, and verse 6. Three requirements for biblical obedience. Joshua 5, 6. For the people of Israel walked 40 years, 40 long years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not what? They did not obey the voice of the Lord. They weren't allowed to enter into the promised land. 
the Lord swear to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. So they completely missed out on these wonderful promises of inheriting this land simply because they did not what? They didn't obey. I want to tell you something here today. You are missing out on a life that flows with milk and honey if you refuse to obey the Lord. Take your Bible now and turn to the book of Numbers, verse, chapter 32. And we'll look at verse 10 through verse 13. So many passages of scripture we could use for our text today. Numbers chapter 32, verse 10 through verse 13. And the Lord's anger was kindled the same time, and he swears, saying, Surely none of the men that came out of Egypt from twenty years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob, because they have not what? Holy followed me. And if you keep on reading, you'll see that all that unbelieving generation died out. And God had to bring another generation up, a generation that would obey him. Heavenly Father, we come before you here today, and this is a very important issue with you. Many times it's an issue that we don't even think about, much less an issue that would be important to us. But Father, I pray that you would help us to really embrace your word, listen to your voice, and walk in obedience to you in every single area of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said, today I want to speak on three things that would be required for us to fall into that category of biblical obedience. If you were to define biblical obedience, how would you define it? I mean, if I gave you all a piece of paper and a pen or pencil and asked you to write down, what is your definition of biblical obedience what would you write on that piece of paper? Some time ago, I heard this definition given. It's not original with me. I have no idea who wrote it, but it has resonated with me. It says, obedience is doing exactly what the Lord says to do. Doing exactly what the Lord says to do when the Lord says to do it and with the right heart attitude. It's pretty good, isn't it? Doing exactly what the Lord says to do, when He says to do it, and with the right heart attitude. Now, the first time I read that definition, in my mind came, wow, that is a great definition for kids. Doing exactly what your parents tell you to do, when they tell you to do it, and with the right attitude. Isn't that a great definition of obedience as applied to children? Say amen. amen. But what about us? If that is a great definition of obedience as it would apply to our children, and don't you wish they'd always obey us in that way? It certainly is a great definition of obedience as it applies to us in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is what? This is right. This is the right thing to do. Would not that be true of our relationship with God? The Bible said, children, obey your parents in... What? 
all things. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. What should our goal in life be? To please the Lord. That is reiterated throughout Scripture. So the Bible says, children, obey your parents in all things. Christians, obey the Lord in every single area of your life, for that is well-pleasing to Him. I think this is a great definition of obedience, whether you apply it to a parent-child relationship or our relationship with our Heavenly Father. As we said in the month of January, we kind of set aside this month to talk about this issue of obedience, and our first Sunday was January 1st. And on January 1st, we saw how God has called us to live a sanctified life. He's called us to holiness. But it's impossible to live a sanctified life and have areas of disobedience in our life. The next week we talked about, will there be consequences for disobedience? Yes or no? If we decide we're just not going to obey God, then we better be ready to embrace the consequences that are going to come into our lives as a result of that. In our next message we saw that the the reason we don't obey is because we just don't want to give up control. We want to maintain control of our own lives. And so that whole idea of yielding and submitting and surrendering to the Lord is very difficult for many of us to do. And then last week we saw that one of the areas in which we really need to obey the Lord in is earnestly contending for the faith. And I had the young men come up here to the front and I spoke directly to them, but it certainly was for all of us. So today I now want to talk about these three areas, doing exactly what the Lord tells us to do, when the Lord tells us to do it, and doing it with the right heart attitude. Do you believe that blessing follows obedience. Do you believe that cursing follows disobedience? That's probably one thing you would say if I say, what have you taken from my ministry over all these years? Probably you're more prone to say, we are blessed if we obey God and we're cursed if we don't. This theme, are you listening to me, runs throughout Scripture. You can't avoid but seeing it over and over and over again. Today during the morning uh, adult Sunday school lesson, Bill brought a message on tithing. If we embrace tithing and we obey God when it comes to that area of tithing, even though it may require some faith on our part to obey God in that area, but when we obey God in the area of tithing, He will open the what? Windows of heaven and pour out to us a blessing. That does not apply just to tithing. It applies to every area of obedience to God in our lives. So many verses came to my, I mean, I have a whole list of them here. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all of his command, all, that little word, all, of his command which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee high above all the nations of the earth. Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord thy God hath commanded you, that ye shall live, and it may be well with you, and you may prolong your days upon the earth, and you may prosper. I could go on and on and on and on. It's really hard for me not to. It is. I see all of these verses that, as I was preparing this message, just flooded into my mind. I just want to give them all to you, but time will not allow me to do that. So there certainly are earthly blessings that are directly attached to our obedience. Have you ever noticed when a child, when he um, uh, does exactly what you tell 
him or her to do, and they do it when you tell them to do it, and they do it with the right heart attitude. You ever notice that you, you just have a special relationship with that kid? You just want to do something special for them and bless them? Yeah. That's the way I felt toward my girls. <clears throat> my entire life. We'll leave the boys out of the conversation. <laughs> so the truth is I have a great relationship with all of my children, but there has been times when that relationship has been strained. And every time I look back when that relationship has been strained, it's because there's been disobedience. It really does strain a relationship. And it strains your relationship with God. But there certainly are earthly blessings. Matter of fact, it says... Um, Lay up not for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust are corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. Where moth and rust do not corrupt and thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There, there aren't, there's not just earthly blessings that are attached to obedience. There are heavenly blessings. And as I stopped and thought about that and meditated upon they're even better than earthly blessings. <laughs> right? Because how long do earthly blessings last? Very temporarily, right? They're here and they're gone. But you talk about these eternal rewards. You talk about these eternal blessings. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. Yes, thank God for earthly blessings. More important than that is those blessings that are waiting for us up there in heaven. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sakes, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Say it with me. For great is your reward in heaven. And again, here it is. Verse after verse after verse after verse. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall... Receive a reward. Isn't that good of God? We have such a good God. Rewards us not only in this life, but rewards us in far greater blessings when we get to heaven. So the question is this. I ask you a lot of questions, don't I? I do. The question is this. How many of you want blessing? Can I see your hand? How many of you want I want to ask you this one because some stupid person is going to raise their hand and say, yeah, I want cursing. No, only a stupid person would want that. We all want blessing. Okay, listen to me, church. How do you get it? You know, it really amazes me as much as I preach on this, as much as I try to disciple people in this area, as much as we try to speak that into the lives of our children as parents, as much as you can open your eyes and see it all around you, right? Satan somehow, listen, will convince, especially you young people, he'll convince you that disobedience is more profitable than obedience. He is really good 
Isn't he? Wouldn't you agree with that? He is really good at what he does. So despite what you can see, you can see how people's lives are ruined by sin and disobedience. You can hear that constant discipleship that comes through your parents and the discipline that they give you. You come to church, you go through Sunday school, you sit in the services and you listen to preacher and it's just, it's pounded into you. But still, Satan blinds your eyes to think, well, you know, that, that'll only happen to that person. And the most crafty thing about the devil is that he'll, he'll let you get away with sin for a season before the hammer comes down. No. A wise person wants blessing. Only the fool would want cursing. As I'm sitting in my office and I'm just, all these things are just running through my heart and running through my mind and I'm thinking about my life and I'm thinking about how we raised our children and I'm thinking about you, our church. And the truth is, some of you were in my mind as I was preparing this message. I thought about the Great Commission that's been given to all of us. We know the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe. There's that little word. You ever notice how God never tells us we can pick and choose what areas that we want to obey Him in? He just says all. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Amen. A commission means a command. I'm given this commission. You're given this commission. If you're a born-again Christian, you're given this commission. You're given this command. It's our duty. It's a duty given to a person or to a group of people. That's the definition of commission. So I am given this commission by the Lord, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 19, Matthew records these words. Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least commandments... And teach men so. I want you all to look at me here. You break one, just the, just the smallest commandment. Whosoever there shall, shall break one of the least commandments. You know, I would see the Ten Commandments as being the big ones. Won't you? But then there's some other ones. It's just important that we keep them all. And shall teach men so. It's all right, you can get away with sin, no big deal. Nothing's going to happen. If you break one of the least of the commandments, and you teach men so, ye shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do, I thought this just, this just popped off of the page of Scripture. 
But whosoever shall do, do what? The commandments. Even the least of them. For whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Is it important to God that we teach the commandments? But I think it's very significant here that he says, you are to teach them not only with your words, but you're to teach them with your own personal example. But whosoever shall do them and teach them, the same should be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Do and teach. I want to tell you something. You should never tell your children to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. Tell your children that they shouldn't drink and that you have liquor in the cabinet. Tell your children they shouldn't watch this certain thing, but you put them to bed and you'll watch it. There's many times that we will tell people what they should do, but we don't even do those same things ourselves. Remember that before you can teach others to obey, you need to be obedient. You need to do, to do, and then teach. Could it be, my dear church family, could it be that our lives, our lives are teaching a different message than our words? sure you've heard this quote, your life speaks so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. Tell your children not to cheat, but you cheat. Tell your children not to lie, but you lie. Tell your children to be honest, but you're dishonest. Turn to Romans chapter Can I tell you something, you young, uh, you young couples? Or in those childbearing and raising years. The most effective way to raise a child for the Lord is to live for the Lord yourself. So your children don't see a message of compromise being lived out before them, but they see a message of consistency. A lot of times I think we lose our young people to the world because they're not seeing a consistent Christian life in their parents. They're seeing the teaching, but they're not seeing the doing. For teaching to be effective, you have to do and teach. That example has to be there. Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou what? Condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest dost the same thing. So we stand in judgment and criticism of someone else telling them you ought not to be doing that, but we're doing the very same thing ourselves. 
Drop down to verse 17 through verse 24. Behold, thou art called a Jew, a child of God. Let's, let's replace the word Jew with Christian there, just for application's sake. Behold, thou art called a Christian, and resteth in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, out of the word of God, out of the commandments, and art confident that thou thyself are a guide to the blind, a light to them that walk into... You know the word, and you can teach the word. An instructor of foolish, a teacher of babes, which has a form of knowledge and of truth in the law. Thou therefore which teacheth another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Men? Online? Thou abhorrest idols. Dost thou commit sacrilege? You have idols yourself in your life? Thou makest thy boast of the law, thou breaking the law dishonorest thou God. For the name of God, what's the next word? Is blasphemed. You say, but you don't do. What, is that? what does that cause? It causes those who are watching your life to blaspheme. I say that, I mean, would it be right for me to stand up here and tell you you ought not to steal? Would that be right for a preacher to preach that? But what if you knew I was stealing? Would it be right for a preacher to say, you ought not to be committing adultery and for me to have a mistress on the side. Or for me to tell you that you shouldn't do anything that the Bible says you shouldn't do, but I'm doing it myself. I've just lost the effectiveness of my ministry. And dare to say, I think you would all leave. And the truth is, you should. So you expect your preacher... To live out, or should I say, attempt to live out what he's preaching. Yes or no? Do you expect that of the preacher? What if you knew that I went to the bar occasionally? Or that, uh, yeah, you laugh, you think that's funny. I know preachers that go to the bar when they're out of town. What would you think if uh, I, as your preacher, if you knew that I would frequent pornography websites? I hope that all of you would say, Preacher, I'm sorry, we love you, but we can't listen to you anymore. And you would be right. But whosoever shall do them and teach them, 
the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. How many of you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven? I do. Sorry. I want to be great in the kingdom of heaven. Let's take that definition that I gave you earlier and let's just kind of break it down and let's work our way through it to see what the Holy Spirit may teach us about our own obedience to God. Number one, obedience is doing exactly what I am told to do. can't remember what message it was, but I preached about what Jesus', uh, Jesus mother, Mary, said to the servants at the marriage of Cana Galilee. Do you remember that? Whatever he says to you, what? Just do it. And I said, man, that's the best counsel you could ever give to a person. Whatever the Lord says, just do it. Obedience is doing exactly what I am told to do. Wow. That clock doesn't stop, does it? It just keeps on ticking away. All right. I guess I should have crossed this out this morning. I read this account. Do you like, do you like reading missionary stories? You know what? If you want an exciting life, go to the mission field. But I was reading this. It says, um, once a missionary was translating the New Testament into the language of a tribe. They had no written language. Could you imagine trying to translate the Bible <laughs> where there's no written language? You've got to teach the people. Wow. God bless those missionaries. Amen. Missionaries translating the New Testament into the language of a tribe, which they didn't have a written language. And he was working uh, with trying to discover what a good word would be for obey. Because obedience wasn't uh, part of that culture. It wasn't even a word. They didn't, they, they didn't even have a word for obedience. So in all these Bible passages where there's obey, obedience, and so on, they won't have any... How do you translate that? So he was praying and asking the Lord to, to help him to find a word that he could translate that would bring forth the biblical meaning of obedience. And the next day he was walking down the road and he had, he had his dog with him. And the dog took off and he whistled. And the dog stopped and came right back to him. And one of the natives were standing beside him and this is what the native says. Your dog is all ears. He said, that's it. That's the word. That was the word for obedience in their unwritten language. Your dog is all ears. Isn't that a good definition? For what did Jesus say? He that hath ears to what? Hear, let him hear. Obedience is doing exactly what God says to do. It's being all ears. And a squirt bottle helps once in a while. Right, Greg? Okay. Number two. 
Obedience is doing what I am told when I am told to do it. It's doing what I am told when I am told to do it. Psalms 119, verse 60, David said this, I made haste and I delayed not to keep thy commandments. I made haste and I delayed not to keep thy commandments. How many remember when uh, Paul, in their third missionary journey, was ministering up in the area of Troas? And a vision came to him by night. Does anyone know the name of that vision? The Macedonian vision. And this vision came to him, and this is what he said. And after he had seen the vision, immediately, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Macedonia was Europe. Listen, because Paul obeyed immediately, the gospel was brought into Europe and was brought to us. Think of where we'd be today if Paul had not obeyed. Pretty incredible thought. I don't know how many of you in raising your children, when you've told your children to do something, they act like they didn't hear you. Are you all with me here? Can I see your hand if that's ever happened to you? Oh, oh, I feel so much better. They pretend like they didn't hear you or sometimes they just ignore you. Or sometimes they may say something like this, sure, I'll get right to it eventually. No. We all know what it's like when our children pretend not to hear what we tell them to do. Or when they, maybe not with words, but with their actions, just put you off. I actually tell my children, that's disobedience. That's rebellion. You say, why? Because they're not submitting. They're not doing it when they're told to do it. Obedience is doing exactly what the Lord says when the Lord says to do it. So what we do, we reserve the right to obey when we want to obey or when it is convenient for us to obey. Instead of, no, sir, I'll obey you now. I read another story this week about a father who had a rebellious son. Like I said, when you have a rebellious son or daughter, the relationship is strained. If you don't believe that, read the book of Proverbs. But this relationship was strained between this father and between the son. And the father would ask his son to do things like take out the chores, and his son just would never get around to it. His father would say, I want you to do it now, but he would never do it now. I want you to clean up your room now, but he'd never get around to doing it now. So the child grew up in that home, and that was just the attitude that this child had. He would never obey immediately was always delayed and then most of the time forgotten. You ever have your children say, oh, I forgot? You know why they say they forgot? Because they what? They didn't do it immediately. Just conveniently slipped their mind. Isn't it frustrating trying to think up all the different ways to discipline a child? 
and drive a person crazy. So this son finally looked at his dad and said, Dad, and I quote, I'm tired of living under you, you and mom's oppressive rules. I'm joining the Marines. So off he went to boot camp. Before he was deployed, he had a two-week leave. And he came home. And his dad said, son, what did you learn at boot camp? To which the son replied, dad, I've learned what the word now means. You know what? Some of us have never learned to obey now. Number three. Let me, let me just stop before I get to number three. Obedience is obeying now. I wonder... How many people are in hell today? Because they were going to get around to getting saved. They were going to do it tomorrow. Or they were going to do it after they sold their wild oats. You've heard that, haven't you? I'll get saved later on in life. I want to live it up right now. I wonder how many people are in hell today. Because they never learned what the word now means. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I wonder how many Christians are living a carnal, self-centered life and they're missing out on that abundant life that's in Christ because they've never, that land flowing in milk and honey, they've never learned to obey God now. That's why we have an invitation every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, every time I preach. We have an invitation because it's important to obey God now. If you don't obey God now, you have a way of just going out those doors and just letting it slip away. All right, point number three. We'll be done. Obedience is obeying with the right heart attitude. Deuteronomy 30, verse 2, Thou shalt obey his voice according to all that he commands you this day. You shall obey him with all your heart and with all your soul. I think this is probably the most difficult of the three, is obeying God with the right heart attitude. I've used this illustration before. I think it's a good illustration, so I'll use it again. It's about that strong-willed child that just would not sit down in his car seat and buckle in. How many of you, your kids hated car seats? How many of you fight with your kids? Get me in there. I remember Justin. Sometimes the only way we could get him to, he was so strong-willed. The only way we could get him to go to sleep at night. 
I would take him out to the car, wrestle him in that car seat, lock him in the car seat, and go for a ride. Yeah. Sometimes I felt like leaving him in there all night. <laughs> the child, the parents had to grab him, set him down in the car seat. I told you to sit in that car seat. And the parent straps him in the car seat and looks like he said, I'm standing up on the inside. Some of you young people here today, that is the attitude that you have toward your parents. You're doing it, but only because they're strapping you in. But still you're standing up on the inside. That's really not obedience, is it? Servants, which we all are, obey in all things. How come that little word all keeps popping up. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness, focused, in singleness of heart, fearing God, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily. The happy spirit, do it heartily as unto the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive a what? There we're back to the reward again. Remember someone telling me, said, ah, pastor, that blessing and cursing principle is only found in the Old Testament. No. Obedience is doing exactly what I'm told when I am told to do it and with the right heart attitude. Titus 2.14 Be zealous to do good works. 2 Corinthians 15, 14-15 For the love of Christ constraineth us. Went into the store yesterday, our local Polly's store. I like Polly's. Anyone like Polly's? I like Polly's. Walked into the store, there's this poster. It has all these different food products on this poster. And this is what the poster says. It said, it's all about you and what you want. Isn't that our mentality today? It's all about you and what you want. I thought I should take my pen out and write, not. <laughs> it's all about him and what he wants. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you and we're kind of wrapping this whole month up here now, and you've been speaking to our heart in the area of obedience. Lord, we pray you'd strengthen us that you, through your Holy Spirit, would continue to prompt us to do exactly what you tell us to do when you tell us to do it and with the right heart attitude. Before we sing our invitation song, has God spoken to your heart today?
And if he has, in what area? Maybe you're here today and you know what you need to do to be saved, but you've really never accepted Jesus as your Savior. You know what I would do? I would do it now. Maybe there's areas of your life that you know you have not been obeying the Lord in. You know what I'd do if I were you? I'd say, Lord, today I repent. And I'm going to obey you in those areas right now. I'm going to do it with a good heart attitude. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.